It's time to get inspired. This message is brought to you by the International Center Gospel Church, Dallas, Texas. Raising leaders, shaping visions, and influencing society through Christ. And now, God's Word by Reverend Martin Sinsafo, Senior Pastor, ICGC Destiny Temple. Father, we thank you. The entrance of your word brings light and understanding. Today, our hearts are ready to receive your word. We pray that you will speak to us, instruct our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 3. And uh, I'll try and flow and get you out of here. Praise God. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3 through 5. First Corinthians chapter 10. Sorry, I said first, second Corinthians, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3 through 5. Second Corinthians, you have first on. Praise God. You're still blessed, Amen. The Bible says, for though we walked in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The, the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal or fleshly, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, and the weapon has the capacity to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And as it does so, it's able to bring into captivity to, into captivity, to the obedience of God. There are things that don't want to obey God. There are things that don't want to obey God. When you have uh, things going out of way in contradiction to the word of God, those things are not obeying God. And in life, there are many things that do not obey God. So, For example, God has designed that your cells should divide normally and grow normally. But when there is an abnormal cell, the cell begins to grow abnormally. And when it grows, it grows and is pressing and killing other cells around it. Eventually, it's able to kill human beings. It's called cancer. It's a cancer cell. And they don't want to obey. <laughs> they don't want to come into obedience of Christ. When Jesus stepped out there, on the, on, the, on the ship, and he was sleeping, and his disciples were there in the ship, a storm came, and he got out of the stern of the ship, he came, and he rebuked the storm. He said, peace be still. And the storm responded to the words of Christ. The storm became obedient and relaxed and chilled so that they could travel to where they had planned to travel. There are things that don't want to uh, remain obedient to Christ. You see, so Bible is saying that we have weapons that are mighty through God, and the weapons are capable of pulling down strongholds. 
our weapons, they are mighty through God. And by that, we are able to use our weapons to cast down arguments. Arguments are systematic body of knowledge that tend to contradict what God's word is saying. There are things that when God speaks, they speak contrary to what God has spoken. See, they are arguments. And scripture is saying that those things, when they come in, they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. They don't exalt themselves against God. What they are fighting is the knowledge of God. Because God cannot be fought, as, as, as I explained last week. You are supposed to generate the results that Jesus generated. Are you with me? Jesus' results must be seen in our lives. Now, the way Jesus' results can be seen in our lives is when we have knowledge of God, when we gain knowledge of God. And it's a very important foundation that we need to have as people of God. And as we have started the new year, and as we are moving on with this theme of excellence in the new decade, I want us to build this solid foundation of knowing God. Because Satan does not want you to know God. When you get to know God, you are able to achieve the result that God achieves. Do I have believers in the house? Then the amen must be a little stronger so I can be encouraged to continue to preach. If your amen doesn't come, it's like I'm boring you. It's like, you know. Amen? So anything that fights you getting knowledge of God is an enemy to the manifestation of God's grace upon your life. And you must fight it. You must work extra hard to know more about God. So last week, we looked at some of the benefits, not all, some of the benefits of knowing God. Now, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse number 23. Jeremiah 9, verse 23. Uh, this is a scripture we used last week, and I want to uh, spin off of that and we'll move on. Jeremiah chapter number 9, verse 23. In Jeremiah 9, verse 23, he said, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. If you have wisdom, don't glory in it. Don't, said, don't put your trust in wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the one that is rich glory in his riches. If you have wealth, don't let it be the source of your pride. If there's anything you want to brag about, if there's anything you want to glory in, you know, let it be something he's going to point to us, verse number 24. But let him that glories, glory in this reality, in this truth, that number one, he understands, and number two, he knows me. God is the one speaking. This is what the Lord God is saying. If you want to glory, glory in this fact that you understand me and you know me. God is saying, if you want to really glory or brag, Brag about the fact that you know him. Brag about the fact that you understand him. So the system of God's measurement, the way God measures success and God measures people who are really glorying, they are different because others will brag in their wisdom. Others will brag in their education. I went to Harvard. I went to Yale. I went to this and I work in the best company in the world. I am this. I am that. You know, God is saying, those things are fine, but don't let it be the source of your glory. Glory in the fact that you know me. Amen. So, what are the 
instruments that can help us to know God more. So, what are the instruments? So, this morning, that's what I'll be talking to you about. Instruments, some of them, I'm going to give you four instruments that are going to help us this year to know God more. That are going to help us as we begin this decade to know God more. That are going to help us uh, to build a solid foundation of gaining the knowledge of God. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Seeking to know God. Amen. The first instrument that is so important for us is the word of God. Scripture or scriptures. Scriptures. Second Timothy chapter number 3. Verse number 15. Now, I pray that you write notes, you make notes. Scriptures, the word of God. Second Timothy, chapter number 3, verse 15. Second Timothy 3, verse 15 through 16. Is that, you can give me the King James Version, please. Is that, and you... And that from a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, Timothy, from the time you were a child, you have not been slacking. You have known the Holy Scriptures. And the Holy Scriptures has capacity. The Holy Scriptures has the ability. It is able to make you wise. Unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Verse 16. Then he goes on to say, all scripture, all scripture, the entirety of the Bible, the word of God, is given by the inspiration of God. God breathed it. And all scripture is profitable. It is profitable for doctrine, underline that. It is profitable for reproof. It is profitable for correction. It is profitable for instruction in righteousness. So Paul is saying that the word of God has profit. The word of God is capable of benefiting you. And he's telling Timothy that, Timothy, from childhood, you have committed yourself and you have known the Holy Scriptures. You are not just playing video games. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You are not just watching television. You are not just watching um, the playoffs and um, basketball and watching 90 minutes of soccer. Soccer is not actually 90 minutes. It's, it's about, about 100 and what? <laughs> Praise God. You, you, you didn't dedicate your life to playing all those video games, but you have studied and you have known the Holy Scriptures. And because you have known the Holy Scriptures, it has separated you from fools. Amen should be coming on. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't use the word fool. The opposite of wise. That may be better. It has separated you from the unwise. He said you have known the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise. So when you look at the word of God, the word of God is able to deliver four things to us. Number one, the word of God Helps us to understand the name of God. How does the word of God enable us to know God? How does the word of God enable us to know God? Number one, the word of God reveals 
the names of God to us. The names of God to us. Had it not been for the word of God, would you have known about the name of God being Jehovah Jireh? And what does the meaning of Jireh mean? The Lord my. The Lord my. The Lord my provider. So if you are going to understand no God, you must understand, but you must read scriptures. Without under, reading scriptures, you will not know that somewhere in scripture, God showed up and made supernatural provision for somebody who was at the point of, uh, at the point of sacrificing his son, Jehovah Jireh. Amen. The word of God reveals to us the names of God. Had it known me for scripture, would you have known that there is somewhere written in the Bible where Jehovah is referred to as Rava? Amen. Were it not to be, were it not for the sake of scripture, you would not have known that somewhere Jehovah is referred to as Jehovah Sikemu. The Lord, my righteousness. The Lord, my righteousness. And that when your head is bowed and you feel like you are being defeated, he shows up as Jehovah Shammah. The Lord, your banner. Amen. Amen. One day I took the Bible and I went through these Jehovah names and I wrote all of them down and I started praying. I said, God, let me experience these names of yours in my life. Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It is what? A strong tower. The righteous runs into it and they are saved. I said, if your name is a strong tower, it must be a strong tower for me in the area of provision. It must be a strong tower for me in the area of my righteousness. It must be a strong tower for me in the area of my healing. If your name is that strong tower, let me experience your name. Hallelujah. Scripture exposes us to the various names of God. The various names of God. That's number one. Number two, Scripture exposes us to the character of God. The character of God. There is a way that God walks. There is a way that he works. God is gracious. God is compassionate. When we say God is slow to anger, it is his character. <laughs> it is his character. It is the character of God to be slow to anger. He said, therefore, you sons of, of, of Jacob are not consumed. It is because I am slow to anger. It's a character of God. It's the way God's behavior is. The way God behaves. That is his character. It is through scripture that you get to understand the character of God. One of my mentors who you know, helped me a lot. He taught me how to pray. He taught me how to read the Bible. He, taught, he actually taught me how to be a solid Christian. Now, one of the key things that um, he shared with me was that uh, I should know the attributes of God. The attributes of God are the characters of God. Amen. The character of God is actually the attributes of God. So he said to me one time, he said, you know, do you know these things? Number one, God loves you. God is love. It is his character. He's love. So everything he does for you, he does it for you on the basis of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The love of God. So God, out of his love, allowed his only begotten son to be crucified on the cross. It is love. 
What manner of love is this? That a man should lay down his life for his brother. It is love. Somebody say it's all about love. That's the character of God. He loves us so much. And he said, you must also understand that he is faithful. He's faithful. And I said, explain that to me. He said, God is faithful to the point where when he says this, it comes through. Even when you change, he remains. Am I talking to somebody here? Even when you fail, even when you become unfaithful, he remains. Oh, I don't know about you, but you're sitting here, you're looking so cute, and you have you been so cute upon me. You know, you know that many times you have let God down, but he never let you down. He never let you down. Praise God. He's faithful. When I think about the faithfulness of God, you know, so this man was teaching me about the faithfulness of God. And, I, I, you know, he said, when God says that he will show up, he will show up. He will show up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew him as a faithful God. He said that God we serve, he is able to deliver us. And even if he does not come through to deliver us, this fire is not, oh my, this fire is not so powerful enough to change our mind about God. Hello. They put Daniel in the lion's den. He knew he was a faithful God. Praise God. So God came through time in and time again. And then he said one thing to me. He said, God is all powerful. Omnipotent. Omnipotent means all powerful. There is no, there's nothing he cannot do. All powerful. And I said, you know, so these three attributes you're telling me about God. I mean, how are they relevant? And he said to me, uh, when God tells you that he will show up. He is faithful enough to show up. And there's nothing that can prevent him from showing up. Maybe you didn't get a revelation I just said. When God tells you that he will show up, out of his love for you, he will show up. And he's faithful that he will show up. And there's nothing that can prevent him from showing up. Come on, am I preaching to somebody here? There's nothing. He, you, you see... When you told your friend that you come and visit your friend, you loved your friend so much, you wanted to show up to visit your friend. But there was a snowstorm. You used the snowstorm as an excuse not to show up to church. Okay, I'm going to move right along. <laughs> Amen. Why? Because you are not capable of stopping the snow. This God is all powerful that if Joshua can lift up his hand, the sun will be suspended for the period of 24 hours, it will not go down until victory, which he has promised his people, come to pass. Am I talking up to some people here in the house who understand the omnipotency of God, who understand the faithfulness of God? For the sake of his love towards his children, he suspended the sun. Oh my. He suspended the sun. He suspended the sun to bring to pass the word he has spoken concerning his children. Oh, powerful God. Say, all-powerful God. Hallelujah. So, when you read scriptures, the scriptures expose you to this thing about the character of God, the way God does his things. Oh, no, that's not God. Oh, no, that's not him. Yes, this is the fingerprint of God. I see God all over. 
on this person. And now people will be testifying that they see the hand of God upon your life. Things that will be happening in your life, it, the fingerprint of God will be all over, over, all over it. In Jesus' name. The third thing that scriptures help us to understand and to know are the methodologies of God. The way God does his things. The way God does his things. The way he operates. Paul told Timothy, 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 all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine. It's like the policy manual of God. When you go to a workplace, before you start working, they give you the policy manual, the procedures. God has procedures. Amen. He has procedures. And one of the procedures of God is that you must make declarations, you must confess, you must... Are you hearing what I'm saying? One of the procedures of God is that you must not come to his house with empty hands. You must bring an offering. Your amen is not coming, but I'm going to preach right along. You must bring what? An offering into his house. An offering that is pleasing unto him. It's the procedure. Abel understood the procedure of God. So he carried an offering. And the offering he carried was so, so, so nice and so aromatic to God. And God started showering him with blessings upon blessings. He was so blessed that he became, he became the point of envy. To the point where his own brother took him and killed him. Amen. The methodologies of God. How God does his things. How he does his things. The procedures of God. That as a child of God, it's important for you to build an altar. To build an altar. Don't just wake up and just don't have... An altar of, of prayer where you can lift up your voice in the area of prayer is the procedure of God. The way God deals with that is that it's part of the procedure, the way he operates, his, his policy manual. That after he has blessed you, you've gone to work, he has blessed you. And for a long time, you have not been paying tithes. Amen, it's not coming up. You must look right along so that people may not suspect that you are the one I'm talking about. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? You must be a tighter. It is part of God's procedure. It is, it is one of the ways that God releases his blessings. You cannot excuse yourself out of it. With somebody's teaching on Facebook, or somebody's teaching on YouTube, or something that has gone viral, it is God's procedure, his policy manual, that out of the abundance, you must reserve what we call the first fruits. And when we call for first fruits and tithes in a church of this size, we shouldn't see four or five people standing here. Amen, it's not coming on. Some of you sacrifice your tithes and your offerings, your love offering or whatever it is for Christmas celebration. Now Christmas is gone and you are back to church. Amen. Am I preaching? The methodologies of God, the way God does his things. I pray that you would be committed to knowing God, knowing his attributes, knowing his name, knowing his character, Knowing the way he does things. And one other thing that scripture does for us, it makes us wise. It makes us wise. Paul told Timothy, from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. And because you have known the Holy Scriptures, it has made you wise. It's able to make you wise. And in making you wise, 
we don't even see that you're a child. We don't see that you're a child. You have matured. You have grown. You are not wet behind the ears. You have learned how to wash your hands. So you are eating with adults. There are realms and dimensions that God cannot take you until you become a master of his word. You, until you, you begin to develop mastery over his word. You're not saying amen, no. If I ask you about the biblical character by name Abigail, you should be able to tell me that somebody's name is called Ab Abigail. When I ask you the name of the husband, the ex-husband of Abigail, you should be able to tell me. You know the name of the ex-husband of, uh, of a Holy, Hollywood artist, but you can't tell me the ex-husband of Abigail. Someone said mercy. Someone said mercy. The name was Nabal. The meaning of Nabal is a fool. Don't name your son Nabal. <laughs> you cannot call and name your son Nabal if you know scriptures. You won't name your son Nabal. When I was praying for names for my children, one of the names that came out was Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Jehoshaphat. So I was going to name one of my sons Jehoshaphat. Jeho <laughs> Amen. Praise God. It makes you wise. You gain wisdom, you gain understanding. Praise God. Now, that is one of the instruments that helps. I can talk about the word of God over and over and over and over, scriptures over and over and over, but I would want to push to the next one because I have three more platforms or three more weapons or three more instruments to help you to know God. Okay? The second instrument is communion. Communion. With the Holy Spirit. Communion with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. The teachings I'm giving you, I believe strongly that if you take it seriously, and if you stick to it, you put it into practice, your life will change. Your, your amen is not coming on. I know for sure that these the thing, I'm not teaching you anything that I, I have not practiced. I, I don't practice what I preach. I preach what I have practiced and is working. They're two different things. They're two different things. You don't have time to come and try an error. I'll try, Pastor, okay, let's try this. Well, it didn't work. No, 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 no. Life is short. You have about 100 plus years to live. It's not eternity. So you must make sure you are hitting it right. You have one time to be 20, one time to be 30. You cannot reverse your age. Some of you may be trying putting on pancake. What is it called? <laughs> is it pancake? <laughs> you may try to put on pancake. <laughs> You're putting on pasta? No. You're trying to put on <laughs> coating. I don't make up. I'm talking, talking about that. They will lay foundation. They put iron rolls in the foundation to make sure that the, the cheeks don't sag. You're trying to cheat it and all that. But hear me. You, it is once and forever 20. You cannot come back and be another 20. Praise God. So if there's something that I'm teaching you at age 20, something I'm teaching you at, at, at age 30, you must take it. You must embrace it. I don't, you, you don't have time to try it and error. So what I'm, I'm showing you are proving things, things that are proven, both theoretical proving in terms of the fact that it's biblically sound and practically there are results for it. Praise God. You can clap on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Communion with the Holy Spirit. Communion with the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is, is <laughs> a very powerful person. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is available to you. Amen? And communion simply means fellowship. Communion means what? Fellowship. Communion means you are being intimate. Communion means you are drawing close to the individual. Are you there? Yeah. You, you are not far. You must get close to him. And getting close to a person, it requires a deliberate act. You don't just say, Holy Spirit, I want to be close to you. Oh, no, it requires deliberate act. You must work on knowing the Holy Spirit. You must work on communing with him. John, chapter 15, verse 26. John, chapter 16, 15, verse 26. John 15, 26. He says, but when the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. He shall testify of me. Hallelujah. How many of you know that it takes somebody close to somebody to be able to know the person and know the person very well? Amen? So Jesus is saying, there's the Holy Spirit, the person that is coming. When that person comes, he is proceeding from the Father. He's coming from God. If he's coming from God, he must know something about God. Hello? Are you with me? If he is coming from God, he must know something about God. So if you commune with him enough, he would show you enough about God. Someone said, I'm blessed. Say, I have a comforter. Say, I have a helper. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And then he said, when he comes, he will testify of me. He will give testimonies about me. He will be talking about me. Praise God. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which comes from the Father, he shall testify of me. He shall testify of me. The same John, keep it right there, drop down, um, go up one chapter, go up to one chapter, chapter number 16. And we'll read about eight verses or, or, or nine verses. Chapter 16. Verse 7, we'll read from verse 7. Someone shout, I'm blessed. Say, my mind is alert. You're not prophesying. Say, my mind is alert. I am receiving the word of God. It is able to make me wise. Amen. John chapter 16, verse 7. He said, nevertheless, I am telling the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Change it. Let's use the word, uh, the, the New King James Version. Let's use the New King James and we'll try the New Living Translation also. Let's use it. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is giving a discourse. 
discussing with the, the, the disciples and said, I'm about to go away. When he said he was about to go away, some people started becoming sad. And their, their countenance changed. It's like when I fell in love <laughs> with my wife. And, uh, you know, I would go and see her off. And when I see her off, before we married, I'll see her off. And then when we, we, we you know, went back to part company, and she begins to get sad that I'm leaving. So she will go with me and go and see me off all the way to my house. <laughs> and when she, she finished seeing me off, and I'm like, I can't leave you for you to walk alone in the middle of the night to go. You know, so I will go with her all the way to her house. We'll do this all the way to a certain point till about 1 a.m. I said, no, you got to go home and see her. <laughs> Praise God. That's what life is. When there is love, it's, it's difficult for company to be parted. Amen. So here, Jesus was about to leave and part company with the people that he loved, the people that loved him. And they were sad. So after expressing some form of uh, sadness, Jesus tells them, look, it is advantageous. It is to your benefit that I go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because if I do not go away, the helper will not come. The Holy Spirit will not come. He, was, he has told them that I'm about to be killed. They are going to kill me. And the people were like, how can you die? You are the miracle worker. No, that. He said, no, but if I don't die, the Bible says that if Satan had known that by crucifying Jesus, you know, he was exposing us to glory. In other words, he was exposing us to the grace and the benefit of having the Holy Spirit close by us. If he knew, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He will not have crucified a lot of glory. So look at it. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away or if I do not die, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The next verse, verse 8. Now, and when he has, when he has come, when the comforter, the Holy Spirit has come, number one, he will convict the world of sin. When you are preaching and people are not getting born again in the preaching, it's because the Holy Spirit is not effective in that place. He's the one that brings conviction to sin. Amen. So, these are some of the benefits of the Holy Spirit. Number two, and he shall convict the world of righteousness, and he shall convict the world of what? The world of, of judgment. Now, and when he has come, he will do so. Let's go to the next verse, verse 9. Verse 9. Now, it says that he will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. Number two, he will convict the world of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. This is a very deep stuff. I can explain it to you, but that's not my point. But let me just let you know. By Jesus dying and going to the Father, he brought us righteousness. He became our righteousness. So the Holy Spirit with us helps us to affirm that we are walking in the righteousness of God. That's what he's trying to say. Amen? Now, the next thing he says that he will convict, he will convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So when you have fellowship, koinonia, with the Holy Spirit, you are able to execute judgment over satanic forces. Maybe it's not a great thing for you, but I don't know about you. I need the Holy Spirit. The personality of the Holy Spirit is indispensable. You cannot live a successful Christian. You cannot actually get born again without the Holy Spirit. And once you are born again, you must appropriate this person called the Holy Spirit. It is he who enables judgment to be executed to forces of darkness. When you prophesy, it is the Holy Spirit that takes the words of your mouth, encapsulated with power to make the word of your mouth efficacious and bring and generate the results that you are, you are declaring. Amen? He convicts the world of judgment. 
Now, he said, because the prince or the ruler of this world is judged. He said, I still have many things to say to you. My God. My God, this blows my mind. I'm like, whoa. After everything you have done and said, you still have many things to say to me. You still have doctrines to teach me. You still have revelation to give me about God. You still have wonderful things to tell me about heaven. You have many things to tell me about my divine heritage, about my inheritance in Christ, about the fact that you are an heir and I am a joint heir with you, about the fact that all things belong to you, about the fact that all power, you have many things to tell me. My God, that is an exciting thing in the Bible. I have many things to tell you, Jesus is saying, but you cannot, you don't have the capacity to receive it now. At the time he was speaking, the Holy Spirit wasn't there. Like they didn't have the capacity to receive the Holy Spirit because he has not died yet. Amen? So he's saying, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You cannot carry them now. Now that he was with them, at the time he was with them, they didn't have the capacity to receive the things and to even understand the things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the custodian of the mysteries of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is like the librarian. He's the one that carries the mysteries of the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. He will not come. The Holy Spirit is the coolest person that you can ever find. Your amen is not here. Your amen is not here. But I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to continue to preach. You know, I'm going to continue to preach until I finish preaching. I said, the, the, Holy, Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit is the coolest that you can ever find. Verse 13. However, although you don't have capacity to receive it now, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you. Some will say divine guidance. Come on, say divine guidance. He said he will guide you to how many truths? All truth. You are blessed. You are sitting here. You think you didn't go to school for science, so you cannot understand science. If you can embrace this person of the Holy Spirit, he will teach you offense. I am not, I am not, I am not, I am, I'm testifying of things I've experienced in my life. I didn't do literature, but I could read and understand literature. The King James Version of the Bible that I love so much, I love to read. It's the Holy Spirit that taught me how to read it. Hello? <laughs> Are you here with me? The Holy Spirit has the capacity to guide you into the truth about all things. Now, if knowing God is so important, then the Holy Spirit can teach you about God. Hello. Look at it. He said he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority. He will not be there just to brag about him, himself. No, 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 no. He will... <laughs> Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Praise God. He will tell you things to come. I don't know about you, but I want to know <laughs> what is going to happen. And many times, the Holy Spirit has guided me, has told me certain things. Sometimes in a dream, I'll dream. And when I wake up, everything that I saw in the dream will start playing like I was watching a video of a dream. You are seated here. The seats you're seated on, I saw the seats in 2006 in prayer. This setting, as you see, the Holy Spirit opens what's like a curtain. He opened the window and ushered me into the future, and I saw it as, as it is right now. 
Praise God. Praise God. You see, when you, when you, when you commune with the Holy Spirit, you gain confidence in God. You, you, gain to, you get to know about the faithfulness of God. You get to, because you see, after you have dreamt and the things you have dreamt about begins to happen, when God has spoken to you and is in the inner witness, you know that your tomorrow is assured. You know that the God that called you, he will not leave you in the middle of the road. You know that he is ever present with you. He is there with you. If you are clapping, clap. Oh. Don't do as if you are clapping and all that. Amen. I will not be disturbed at all when you clap. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you getting something out of this? Someone say communion with the Holy Spirit. He will tell you things to come. The next verse, verse 15. Verse 15. Did you read 14? He will glorify me. Look at it. He said, when he comes, he will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. If it is about my attributes, if it is about my behavior, my love, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. If it is about the inheritance you have in me, he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. Look at the next verse. Verse 15 said, all things are mine. All power is mine. The wealth of this world is mine. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. All things are mine. All things that the Father has, they are mine. Jesus is speaking all things that the Father has, they are mine. If it is love, they are mine. <laughs> Hello? What are we learning? We are learning building foundations for your life, for great life. Knowing God as a tool or as a key of, knowing, of, of, of building those solid foundations. And knowing God as an instrument, communion with the Holy Spirit, intermingling with the Holy Spirit. Doubling with him, dancing with him, inviting him in your corridors. They are mine. Therefore, I say to you, he will take off what is mine and he will declare it to you. Communion with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, I'm blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. You must, you must embrace this person called the Holy Spirit. You must invite him into your life. You must invite him into your life. The Holy Spirit testifies of God. The Holy Spirit takes of what is God's, what is Jesus' Jesus's, and he shows them to us. I pray that you will commune with the Holy Spirit eternally in the name of Jesus. How many have I given you? How many instruments? What is the first one? And what is the second one? Okay, I'm not hearing you. What is the first one? Can you say so that my eardrums would bother me? What is the first one? And what is the second one? The participation of the Holy Spirit. Closeness with the Holy Spirit. You need him. You need him. A church could not start without the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, he came. And the knowledge of God started spreading. Even to the heathen. People who were not who were not naturally Jewish people, they started, they gathered into the Gentiles, and the word of God is still spreading because the Holy Spirit is at work. He's at work. If you're a child of God, you want to know about God, you must commune with the Holy Spirit. Say amen. amen. Number three. Number three. An instrument for knowing God. A platform, number three, of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. 
Exodus chapter number 24, verse number 12. Read 12 through 18. Pay attention very carefully. Mighty things are happening in Exodus chapter 24. The people of Israel have been delivered. They've been brought through the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness now. At one point, they cried for water. Water came out and out of the rock, and they drank it. So at this point, chapter 24, something interesting is about to happen. When God was creating the world, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was no human being there. There was no human being to see what was happening, to take a pen and paper and start writing. This is what God is doing. There was no human being. Adam was created later, but it's never said anywhere that Adam took a pen and a scroll and started writing anything. Nothing. Zilch. Nothing. Something amazing is about to happen as a result of prayer and fasting. And if you can embrace it, the depths of knowledge you will gain about God, the realms of power you will be walking in, the authority you'll be exercising, it will be unparalleled. And you will not fail in life. You will succeed for the rest of your life. Your amen is not strong. I said your amen is not strong. Exodus 24 verse 12. The Bible says then, the Lord said unto Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. You need to come up to God. On this 21 days of fasting we are about to engage in, you need to come up to God. You have been at the bottom for so long. You have been, you have been, you have been canal for so long. You need to forget about canality and begin to climb some mountains of power. To begin to climb some mountain where you can, oh my God, appropriate the graces available to you in the kingdom of God. God said to Moses, come up to me. Come up to me on the mountain and be there. And there I will give you tablets of stone. Some of you think that Apple discovered tablet. No. God had his own tablet system before Steve Jobs came to the... <laughs> Amen. Yeah, that was the first tablet you're about to see. Tablet of stone. And there, the law. And I will give you commandments, which I have written, that you may teach them. You see? So here, Moses is about to receive the records of creation. <laughs> the records, what we call the Pentateuch. The Bible, what we, are you hearing what I'm saying? Moses is about to receive the word of God. Moses is about to know about how God created the heavens. How God dealt with, 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 with Abraham. How God dealt with Noah. Moses is about to receive it. Things are about to be downloaded to him. And if you are lacking in the knowledge of God, you need to go up. You need to go up. You have been mingling with humanity for so long. You need to separate yourself. This 21 days from tomorrow, you must decide and purpose that you are going to fast. You are going to pray. And that you, your knowledge of God must increase during this season. Am I speaking to some people in the house? Or you are angry because I said you should fast? Well, if you are angry, I'm going to continue to say it. We are going to fast for 21 days. And if you want to change the dynamics of your life and be transposed and to be transferred from a place of wickedness to a place of power, to a place of strength, to a place of knowledge of God, you must come up higher. You must come up higher. John the Revelator was in the Patmos Island and the Spirit of the Lord said to him, Come up higher. You have seen certain things, but there's a realm I want to take you. You must come up higher. You have been dancing at the bottom of the mountain. You must come up higher. 
Praise God. I will download mysteries to you. Come up higher. We believe you've been blessed by this message. For details, inquiries, and prayer, call 469-502-1000. That's 469-502-1000. Or visit www.icjcdallas.org. You are blessed and highly favored.